यू आर लिस्निंग टू अमिंट प्रोडक्शन प्रॉट यू बाय एच टी स्मार्ट कास्ट Hello and welcome to another key discussion on this ongoing series we have at Mint ahead of the union budget in February. While 2020 was marked by an economic recession and deep economic distress, there was one other major challenge that came up for India and that was in the form of a strategic a uh, problem with china i use that word mildly because it's actually an ongoing conflict and it's something that india will have to think about quite carefully especially when it marks out its budget here we have an aggressor who has perhaps a much larger budget that is deployed both in terms of troops ammunition and technology how will india and the finance minister take that on in the union budget equally do remember the conflict that we have seen the ongoing conflict at the line of actual control will mark every other determinant in terms of indo-china ties whether it's economics trade or even education i have with me a power pack panel that's going to talk about that and has deep insight both in terms of what is required for india's defense capabilities at this point and more importantly where the money might come from in order to buttress this situation for us so let me introduce to you our esteemed panel for this evening Ambassador P.S. Raghavan, who's just completed his tenure as Chairman of India's National Security Advisory Board, he that is an independent advisory body on security and strategic issues. He has also been ambassador uh, for India to Russia. Mr. G. Mohan Kumar, who's former Defence Secretary of India and someone who's overseen the Make in India initiative, particularly in the defence sector. Dr. Lakshman Kumar Behera, who's associate professor at the Special Center for National Security Studies at Jawaharlal Nehru University at JNU, he writes on issues related to arms procurement and military spending. Dr. Rajeshwari Rajagopalan, she's a distinguished fellow and head of the Nuclear and Space Policy Initiative at the Observer Research Foundation, and she's someone who's written extensively on defense, tech, and China. And last but not the least. Lieutenant General S L Narasimhan who's former Deputy Director General for the Military Intelligence for the East and he's also been India's defense attache in Beijing. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this show. As always, we try to start off with a construct of what we're talking about or what we're looking at financially and then go deeper into the subject which at this point is India's defense capabilities. So let me take a few steps back and line out what India's spending pattern has been over the years and that has been uh, a little bit disappointing. for people tracking defense as a vertical over the past decade the numbers actually show that india spend has gone down so in 2010 to 11 we were looking at defense expenditure that was roughly around 2.5% of gdp but in the most recent budget that number has fallen to 2.1% mr raghavan first question to you on whether or not that spend needs to be increased and whether this will be the time where the government does uh, does agree to to ratchet it up all the way to 3% something that defense security analysts have been saying for a long time we need to allocate at least 3% of gdp to make a, a sizable uh, impact in terms of our defense prowess uh, hello good evening <coughs> thanks for having me on your show <coughs> let me let me uh, put your question in a different way i don't think we should approach national security or defense issues from the money the method i think we need to approach it from the other direction we need to see what we need to beef up our national security in a wide wide range of issues 
and then we need to see how we can find the finances for it. It's it's good. I mean, as a ballpark figure, you talk about X percentage of the uh, budget, but really we need to talk specifics as to what do we require, what what do we need to focus on. We need to focus on, of course, defense, weapons, arms, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But today's wars are not only fought on the uh, on land, sea, and air. Correct. They fought with technology. No, so you have cyber, you have space, you have electronics, you have information. Many of these things may not actually come directly in the defense budget. Really, let's see what we require for our national security and then see how we find the finances for it. I think we need to look at it from that perspective. Hmm. Let me ask you a follow-up question then, sir, because, you know, it seems quite clear and there seems to be enough data about what is required. As you pointed out, uh, I'm not sure what our efforts have been with regards to AI because we at this point don't have any data available in terms of what the spend is. Whether you're looking at space, our, our spend is actually a fraction of what uh, some of our neighbors are spending, such as China. And even if you look at the top defense spenders across the world, India is at number three, but it's a big gap between India and China where we're at between 67 to 70 billion dollars whereas we have an aggressor like china that's spending anywhere upwards of 250 billion dollars it does come back to money at some point does it not sir i mean we do have to consider the fact that we need to pump in enormous resources to uh, address all those points that you just laid out no sure of course it comes to money but before we find out how much money we need to see how we are going to what we need that money for now, you talk about defense spending. Now, you know, if you, uh, in fact, my colleague, Mohan Kumar, who's on the show, will be able to tell us much better. Uh, our defense spending has a mix of revenue and capital expenditure. Now, so we need to really see how much is of each, and you need to see how you can increase the spend on hardcore defense and, and change that proportion, for example. I mean, that, that's just one of the issues that uh, you need to be looking at. Similarly, uh, if you're looking at space, uh, you know, and if you're looking at technologies of various kinds, AI, for example, it's scattered across the budgets of various ministries. And some of it is simply not uh, really uh, above the surface. Let's put it that way. So, okay. yes, we need we need increased allocation. But first and foremost, we need to know how we are going to go about it. You know, in most of these issues, it is the, the method that is first to be determined before you look into the money. Okay, let me lob that to Mr. Mohan Kumar then. Mr. Kumar, the floor is yours. Do we not have a method that is clear enough? Uh, or is there a system in place? It, it, needs, to be put, uh, it needs to be put on road. Uh, good evening, and uh, thank you very much for having me on the show. Uh, uh, yes, I think you raised a very pertinent question. Because uh, the main challenge uh, in defense budget making itself is, you know, the the the, uh, the demands uh, the uh, and and the, uh, the competing demands of the various services and then uh, the the limited resources that we have now uh, over the years the defense budget has been increasing i am not saying that they are not increasing in absolute terms in terms of rupees it has been increasing but as you pointed out right in the beginning see the uh, share of the uh, bu budget uh, in the gdp uh, has been going down uh, last time it was about 2. Point zero four percent or something like that so uh you know i also believe uh, i also uh, generally agree that you know we should not relate it to gdp too much but then in terms of quantitative terms see the country is growing and there is a growth rate that the country is going to achieve in future years also so there should be some some kind of an increase in defense budget uh, uh, uh first of all uh you know you should you should uh, 
uh, analyze the threat perceptions very carefully because you know so far we have been looking at the western borders now the pakistan was uh, uh, the our main uh, concern and pakistan uh, uh, we have been of course you know the proxy war is uh, reaching nowhere so uh, there is always a threat uh, looming large in the, on the western borders but the threat from china although it was there uh, we have been having a period of tranquility all these years after 1962 and then there after 1975 i think we have been having a period of general tranquility not much of uh, incidents and we were trying to but the, the situation has changed now china has uh, become hegemonistic and they have uh, they want to have their way and uh, now we cannot expect china to uh, uh, to behave in a very predictable predictable fashion in the days to come so as we have already experienced now mm-hmm. countering china is a big a big challenge for india because if you look at the expenditures the china incur i mean it's like china incurs something like 271 billion dollars uh, every year for uh, its defense and whereas india's total defense expenditure is 71 now we have a uh, 71 billion and so we have a, a, a peculiar task of you know being uh, uh, ready for any threat on both the borders now that of course is, uh, is, is an issue that uh, our national security uh, planners will have to uh, factor into but uh, the main issue in uh, defense which i have seen is of course uh, we have a uh, the revenue budgets are, uh, revenue expenditure has been going up like anything and the capital the money available for capital expenditure has been going down now the capital budget uh, uh, has now you know of uh, the defense services estimates you know it is now hovering around 30 uh, 30 or even below and so that is a, that's not a very good situation because if the revenue expenditure is going to erode capital expenditure we will not be able to uh, for, uh, go forward in cap- capability building because capability building is an extremely difficult uh, proposition because we have to go a long way and uh, i agree with my friend uh, raghavan uh, in the sense that uh, the, the the new wars are not going to be fought in the conventional manner we have a yeah. overdose of technology these days uh, artificial intelligence drones and so many other things you know autom- autom- uh, uh, autonomous systems and so many other things are emerging now our job is to see that we Uh, we we, are, we uh, attain these capabilities in the shortest possible yeah. time now sure. uh, capabilities will depend on the technology we have so so naturally we have to go for a, a higher budget and uh, it need not be of course benchmark to the gdp but ultimately you know you have to go uh, up and reach that level of 3% at some point of time or the other yeah i am going to touch upon many crucial points that you raised uh, let me uh, you know uh, turn to dr raji on this uh, dr raji uh the figure is in place you know there's been enough talk about this 3% of gdp but we also have context about what we spent in 2020 where our defense budget was around 67 billion dollars but here you have a situation where we lived through a major transgression and there have probably been extreme uh you know oversteps on that budget um would at least accepting the fact that we need to raise the budget amount be an admission of the fact that india now needs to get more serious about its military capabilities and its strategic plans as was pointed out earlier no absolutely mitali i think this is an important point uh, mr mohan kumar has raised it very pertinent point because at the end of the day you can talk about the different technologies coming into play and that there are this is going to be a high tech war and not the conven- traditional conventional style of warfare but the fact is that you had a galvan galvan crisis really 
prove to you how uh, the conventional war is still not out of the uh, out of the wood and so it's going to continue and i think from the perspective of defense modernization for instance the indian defense budget has been disappointing year after year with significant implications for national security in fact in 2018 uh, the army vice chief uh, lieutenant general uh, sharachan made an unusually strong case in the parliamentary committee on defense uh, stating the difficulties of the three services in terms of uh, on account of the falling defense budget allocations because and he cited both the uh, internal security issues but also the uh, on the external front he made a specific reference to china he which he characterized as increasingly assertive and this was right after the uh, doklam crisis that he talked about in 2018 and two years since then we are talking about again the defense budget issues and kind of thing and the picture is no different if anything i think the pandemic has only made it that much worse so i i i would appreciate i would really uh, hope that we would get to a three percentage of the gdp that mark some sort of a mark but at the same time given the pandemic uh, the impact of the pandemic i think it is going to be seriously problematic in terms of expanding the uh, amount that is available uh, the allocation for the defense forces because uh, and if that is not being done and that really takes you to the size of the economy and the economic performance and so on and so forth so unless you have the money to really uh, sort of, uh, sort of, uh, to give, make that allocation for the defense, you are seriously going to have this problem. And in the post-pandemic world, where the GDP has shrunk by almost nine, uh, I think nine point six percent, as per the uh, the World Bank report, we are still grappling with a serious problem in terms of how much money will be uh, will be uh, sort of uh, available for the defense forces. But this is going mm -hmm. to. I don't think we have the luxury to make a choice between development or defense and so on and so forth because we have, as uh, again, Mr. Mohan Kumar pointed out, we had been dealing with the problem on a left and uh, on the left on the western border, and now you have a, a sort of a, a serious, significant challenge on your uh, on on the right as well on the eastern front, and that is something that cannot be. In fact, the kind of activities that we have seen, um, it is almost kind of you know the LAC is becoming more like a LOC, and the kind of predictability, the peace and tranquility that prevail, the predictability that existed on the Sino-Indian border, you cannot take it for granted anymore. I think that mm. dynamics has changed so rapidly in the, over the last few years. General Narasimhan, Dr. Raji raises a pertinent point. I mean, the first one being, have we been too complacent with military preparedness? And the second one being, is this going to be a situation where it becomes a guns versus butter debate? Or do you think, given what has happened in 2024 India along the LAC, this is now a non-negotiable topic. We have to pump in more uh, to build our defense. All my previous, uh, good evening firstly to everyone and uh, thanks for having me on the show. I go with whatever has been said so far by my co-panelists. Uh, the issue that comes up is, we are today saying 3% of the GDP is enough. Tomorrow it may even increase more. So it is difficult to peg the defense expenditure to a percentage of GDP. I go with Mr. Mohan Kumar when he said that you need to understand the threat perception first and then build up the capacity and capability to face the threat perception. Have we been complacent? I don't think we have been complacent. Yes, there have been constraints on the budget. However, the budget alone is not the capability of the Indian Armed Forces. It, it has got many facets of training, experience, um, having the uh, having the uh, having the kind of uh, uh, leadership. Whole lot of things are actually put into that to become a defense capability. Uh, if you, if you ask me whether you need more money, yes, definitely we need more money. There is no question about that. We need more equipment, we need more equipment. Definitely we need more equipment. 
But the fact of the matter remains that, as Ambassador Raghavan put it earlier, we need to work out as to what is the requirement and then try to find the, find the money for it. And that has been done in terms of long-term perspective plan. All those things are already in the pipeline. The new one is also, I am told, is being worked out. So I think we are on the way. We are on the right path. The only thing is we need to anticipate the kind of incidents that happened during this summer. This was a surprise, basically, because we didn't expect the Chinese to uh, go back on all the agreement that they signed. That has happened in the summer. That is something that we need to keep in mind and prepare for future any incidents of this nature coming up. And uh, lastly, I would only say that irrespective of the fact, we also look at internally that is also being done. How can we, how can we rationalize? How can we get a better bank for the buck? That also needs to be worked on. That is also being worked. So I think put together, I think we'll be on the right path. And yes, we need more money if we can get it. Dr. Lakshman, the onus of uh, putting this into a financial context is now on your shoulders. You've been on plenty of committees for the government of India to recommend budgets with, you know, with respect to military. Uh, what's the best approach to take at this point? Because my guests seem, see, seem to feel that there's no point putting a figure to this and talking about a 3%. There needs to be a strategy in place. Um, what do you think might be a sanguine way to go forward for the finance minister being mindful of the defense threat that now stands before us? You'll have to unmute your uh, mic, please. Yeah. So first of all, I'm very happy to be part of this August panel. And uh, this is going to be a uh, quite interesting uh, topic. Well, uh, I think uh, India has to follow a mixed method. Uh, so uh, on one hand, India, uh, the government has to step up the allocations for the defense. For the fact that uh, there is a huge shortage uh, uh, with the defense forces are uh, facing. In fact, if I can give a piece of statistics in two th uh, in the present financial year, the shortage in the defense budget was to the extent of uh, over one lakh crore. And uh, more uh, seriously, more uh, disturbingly, over 52% of that shortage was in the capital acquisition fund or the procurement fund. So with the armed forces used to buy new equipment. And uh, so, and the problem is so severe that uh, the ministry is finding it very difficult to uh, pay even for the past uh, committed liabilities. That means those contracts uh, which the government has said. So the situation is quite uh, uh, really sad on the defense uh, uh, budget. But having said that, uh, I think uh, there is a limit to which the government can actually step up the defense resources. I think that the, the approach would be to also look from within uh, by the Ministry of Defense at how to improve the quality of spending. And uh, over the last, uh, I think, uh, over a decade or so, the quality of defense spending has deteriorated to, uh, to say the least. I can give you a few statistics. In 2011-12, the, the manpower cost was less than 50% of the MOD's uh, defense budget. Now, by 2021, it has actually gone up uh, to over 61%. So that means that that share has actually come at the cost of the acquisition and the sustenance budget. And that's not at all a healthy situation. So government is to find uh, some money uh, to 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 uh, to spend more on the acquisition and sustenance. Uh, uh, at the same time, the Ministry of Defense has to look from within how to improve uh, the quality of spending. So I'm glad that the CDS is talking uh, uh, how to rationalize the defense expenditure. Uh, although those suggestions have not been uh, uh, found acceptable by the veterans, but the bitter truth is that all over the world, uh, be it US or the UK and other countries, they have actually rationalized the manpower how they look at the salary and how they 
look at the pension. Those are the actually hard reforms India has to do. And uh, in fact, that is a long-term plan. So whatever we do now in the manpower front, uh, the, the fruits will be only be seen after 10, 15 years. But I think the steps uh, need to be taken right now. So just to finish up that point, Dr. Lakshman, you would say, and, and you're right, I mean, salaries and pensions contribute about 59% of the defense budget. You would say it is unlikely the finance minister will implement the second upgradation of pensions that was planned in the OROP scheme? Yeah, OROP, so the liability that we have seen is over 40,000 uh, 40, crores since it was implemented. And if the second revision is being, uh, if it is done, then it will add another 10,000 crore to the uh, defense budget. So whether that is sustainable, uh, the Minister of Finance has to, uh, Minister of Finance of the Government of India has to uh, have to find a way out. But that is a commitment that the government has already made. Uh, so mm -hmm. it's a very uh, uh, delicate balancing act uh, uh, for the Ministry of Finance. And I hope uh, they will find a acceptable solution, which is acceptable to both the Government of India and the veterans. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mr. Raghavan, I want to step back from this conversation about, you know, how much we're spending to what has changed significantly in 2020 and why India needs to see this through a different lens. Because for the first time, we seem to be dealing with the very real threat of a two-front war. And, you know, from whatever analysis and reports present themselves at this point, it looked like our planning and limited resource allocation was predicated on shorter periods of aggression. But now it looks like we have two very hot and very active borders. In that respect, sir, what would you want to see in terms of a change in strategy and strategic approach? Uh, I don't know what exactly you mean by a change of strategy, because uh, uh, if you are asking whether our military wherewithal is uh, sufficient to deal with a two-front war, I think that's a very difficult question to answer, because you really have to first question what a two-front war is, what does it mean, Is how likely is it and to what extent? So let me rephrase. Uh, let yeah, me rephrase. Yeah. What I'm asking is, uh, you know, are we are we mindful of the fact that we now might have permanent deployment along the Indochina border? Was that something that was in the psyche of planning earlier, or uh, or you don't think a big change is required? Now this is something that military personnel on the ground will answer. But uh, to what extent you will have deployment on both borders? And, and to what extent that means a change in the uh, whole strategy is something that uh, I, I don't think I'm qualified to answer. But uh, the point actually stepping back from uh, this, what uh, Dr. Behra said, you know, uh, you need to look at quality of defense expenditure and you need to look at what you might call a national security strategy which actually takes into account, and that is something that is being done, but it's being done uh, behind closed doors, uh, in the sense that it's only when you look at the uh, the, the threat perception that Bon Kumar mentioned as well, but you look at the totality of the challenges that you have. And once again, you uh, I come back to this, and you're talking about deployment of forces on the two borders. It is not only the deployment of forces that is important. It is the technology that is important. It is the intelligence that is important. It is also uh, the various uh, uh, electronic and space-based methods that are available, which also go into the defense uh, structure. So, so you know, and 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 coming back to again, uh, uh, what Dr. Behra said very correctly, the CDS is trying to rationalize, or that is his remit actually, to rationalize the deployment of manpower 
to try to promote jointness where you can actually try to see how resources which are redundancy of resources are prevented uh, uh, the same uh, uh, expenditure which is uh, in the arm the army air force and navy uh, can be sort of joined together and and a jointness will also release both capacity as well as funding so you know you look at it from it, it's it's very difficult to say you know let's assume a two front war and therefore what we need to do for it it need to come from a national security strategy which actually evaluates the threat perceptions and the threats for in various different ways not simply firing across the border uh, general narsimhan uh, the cds took charge on january 1st last year what is your own sense of uh, you know what kind of rationalization has happened so far as was just pointed out that was the mandate um, in the last 12 months what is the update that that you have heard of in terms of this rationalization yeah before that can i just answer that question on the two front uh, thing that you talked about please sir uh, please understand this as uh, professionals who have been in the army for a very long time and also this particular issue of two front uh, two front threat has been thought about has been um, worked upon for more than a decade now if you go back to 2006 7 even around that time the chiefs of army staff have been saying about this so this is something which is actually not new that is point number 1 point number 2 is it is not that there is no deployment on the line of actual control on the line of actual control there is already deployment which is existing as much as the infrastructure which is going forward can allow you to do that so what we need to look at is creating that infrastructure that is more required for actually uh, having the kind of deployment that you need to have so this is something i would like to put it across it is not that we are not deployed on the line of actual control in fact most of the line of actual control we are actually deployed there so both the two front threat and the deployment are actually being thought about being planned for and being worked upon i leave it at that because in the public domain i don't want to speak more than that as far as this is concerned as far as the rationalization process is concerned you find even before there are number of studies which have been done even earlier even during mr mohan kumar's time there is a, a transformation study that was done around that time so the implementation process was taking a bit of time the cds actually has come in and he is actually looking into the rationalization process not only in that plus also bringing in jointness as ambassador raghavan brought out you find instead of having 17 command level command level organizations you will probably bring down to four or five command level organizations which could actually rationalize a lot of manpower integrate the resources and uh, remove the redundancy factor like uh, dr behra said it is not actually very well liked by the veterans but it is a fact that you need to look inward and even in my opening remarks i had mentioned this that rationalization is very important and that is something that is being looked into and i think come next year that is this year plus the next year i think we'll see a lot of rationalization actually happening Mr Mohan Kumar you've been defense secretary what is an elegant way to to approach this rationalization has been pointed out there has been talk of that non lapsable fund as well but there seem to be some differences on how the defense ministry versus the finance ministry looks at it there has also been talk of approaching uh, you know this funding question through perhaps the route of defense bonds what do you think might be a, a rational way to go forward on this yeah uh, i think uh, uh, what my co panelists have mentioned uh, given the, the points which have been given by them i generally uh, go along with that but uh, i must uh, tell you that um, 
see uh, first thing it's actually you know you need to have a whole uh, some kind of a systems approach to solving this problem because once uh, you look at the defense uh, uh, the the entire defense uh, domain as a whole see there are so many things that we need to do there for instance uh, there are so many redundancies and so many uh, things which are which are, which can be uh, economized uh, because uh, uh, you know, if, if I remember during uh, uh, 2016, or we had this Shekhatkar committee, uh, uh, which was formed, and that committee had gone into uh, rebalancing the defense budget and uh, uh, reducing redundancies, and they have done a very good job. And then uh, the, the armed forces are in the process of implementing their process. I'm very sure that if that uh, report is very seriously implemented, lots of savings can be uh, effective. And uh, besides that. See, now that the CDS is in position, so, you know, we are in a position to have uh, uh, more convergence because of the joinness of the things. You know? See, because by forming theater commands and other uh, 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 the theater commands, you know, we, are, we are going to uh, have a tremendous amount of convergence. And this convergence will lead to integration and uh, subsequently economies of scale. And then uh, it, will, it will lead to uh, a lot of expenditure being saved. And uh, and also uh, optimal utilization of uh, resources because that what Dr. Behra said you know, the quality of expenditure also will improve because there will be optimum utilization of resources. Now uh, I can give an example like uh, we, we have recently integrated the Air Defense Command. You know there was some a lot of work has gone into the integration of the Air Defense Command. You know previously all the three services are the Air Defense Command facility and now it is now under a joined uh, system. No, I, I think this kind of changes should happen. So that uh, there is more convergence and uh, a lot of uh, 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 no effective expenditure taking place. Now, if you are you know, able to reduce the redundancies, you know, we'll be able to save uh, a lot on expenditure. At the same time, you know, saving on expenditure alone is not the solution because I think we nearly have to go in for absolute increase of uh, funds available for this. Now, uh, uh, one of the problems is that uh, the money that is available is uh, very uncertain. So, you know, you have a technical capability program for the ministry. The ministry of Defense has a long-term uh, integrated uh, capability building programs, LTIPP and uh, so on and so forth. But then those things, if you have to implement it in a serious manner, you should, be, you should be able to understand, you should be able to visualize the future and visualize the flow of funds. If the flow of funds is not smooth, it will not very. It not be possible for anyone to really embark on a, 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 a capability building program. So, uh, that, what is actually worrying us is the, the 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 assured guaranteed flow of funds. And in order for this to happen, at least the least that the government can do is to make uh, the capital resources uh, non-lapsable. In fact, this has been strongly recommended by the SCOD, uh, the, uh, com uh, the, uh, the the Parliamentary Committee on Defence. And uh, of course, uh, the Ministry of Defense, I'm afraid they took a very, a very bureaucratic view of that because, you know, we need to think out of the box for these things because if procedure is uh, uh, different in defense, you know, it is just for national security. So in the larger end of national security, we may have to consider it seriously. And I would urge upon the Ministry of Defense to be open minded about this. Secondly, uh, we also need to uh, use uh, whatever resources that we have, you know, see, like the Ministry of Defense has huge land resources. See, I think they have uh, uh, huge land resources and these land resources could be put to constructive and imaginative use so that, you know, building infrastructure, be it building infrastructure, building housing or something like that. You know, a lot of monetization can be uh, undertaken with this, this kind of land because, you know, for instance, I'll tell you, uh, armed forces have a lot of land, prime areas in uh, the, the metropolitan city. 
things, you know, where sometimes they're using it for storage of relatively unimportant material. And there are so many restrictions regarding that. Now, if you're able to unlock these things, and because, you know, if you have to modernize these storages, you have to move it to some other new place, maybe to a rural area or somewhere, suburban area or something. We can unlock these assets and then monetize them and then create a huge, uh, 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 some kind of uh, fund for uh, uh, utilizing, uh, for capital uh, expenditure. So there are so many things. Then, then of course, the defense bond, which I was mentioning, is uh, it's not a simple, uh, it's, a, it's a something which we have uh, thought about. And then the uh, defense funding is uh, uh, absolutely essential. And then if you want to go for defense bonds, I'm sure the citizens of this country will not grudge giving that kind of money to government if you are, if you are floating defense or special bonds for defense. We can even have a special cess because special cess is something which we have in education cess. For instance, we can we can have a share of that diverted to defense or maybe a separate cess for defense. I mean, I think this is something which we have to do because India has to go a long way in matching the neighbors' capabilities. At least, you know, in order to uh, in order to stay uh, I mean, where we are without any, yeah. you know, we have no territorial ambitions, but we have to defend ourselves. And uh, the situation that is developing calls for uh, out-of-the-box thinking. And we cannot move sure. on with the yeah. business as usual. This was a Mint production brought to you by HD Smartcast.